Father, this morning we come to you, Lord, by faith, in the name of Jesus. Through the person of Jesus, the living way, the only way, anyone can come to the Father. We come by faith. And we commit ourselves, all your children, our brethren, into thy hands, O Lord. We look to you. Our ever-present help. Believing you will meet us at our point of need today. That our God shall supply all our need. In Christ Jesus. He'll give us all the strength we need in Christ Jesus. Our eyes are on you, Lord. Speak to us. Equip us. And use us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 We'll take off from where the plane landed. Yesterday, Sunday morning, and not where it landed in Nepal. It is sad. I think all the passengers perished. I think it was sad. You know, right, that there was a plane crash in Nepal at Pokhara. And by the way, that's where Rupa is from. <laughs> She's in that place. That's where the plane crashed. Okay, let's turn to Joshua chapter 1 and verse 2. Moses, my friend, is dead. My servant is dead. <laughs> of course, God's friend he was. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all these people, to the land which I am giving to you, to them, the children of Israel. And then we'll read verse 10 and 11. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp, command the people, saying, Prepare provision for yourself, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the, the Lord your God is giving you to possess. So in verse 11, God tells them, Pass through the camp and command the people. And they are asked to do three things. Prepare, because you are going to pass over or cross. And the reason is, you are going to possess the land. Okay. So we will look at that one word, prepare. In verse 2, which we looked earlier. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over the land, you and all the people, to the land which I am giving it to them, the children of Israel. We have to understand, okay? Because in verse 11, the first thing God tells them is prepare. Prepare. We don't know what we are preparing for. Life will not have its meaning. Chandana, can you sit where I can see your face and not the top of your head? Okay? Where we don't know what we are doing. 
you do not know your purpose, you don't know what you're preparing for. Okay. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12, this is what Apostle Paul will say. Not that I have already attained or I am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Christ Jesus took hold of us, that salvation. But after that, what? What did he lay hold of me for? He just randomly selected me and saved me and said, okay, I saved you, now go aimlessly in life. No, he had a purpose. Salvation was not the end, it was the beginning. Salvation was not the end. Salvation was just the beginning. Fact of salvation that you have been saved from the judgment, from the penalty of sin, just, just the beginning. So if that's the beginning, then there is something so much more ahead. Now arise. Why? Because I brought you out of Egypt. Right? 40 years ago, I brought you out of Egypt. And 40 years you guys have been wandering. You've been wandering. Now arise, cross over River Jordan, and there's a land over there. And you have to possess that land. If you don't know purpose, we don't even know what we are preparing for. If you don't understand God's purpose, all that we are preparing for us will be an absolute waste and waste of time, energy, resources, purpose. If we do not know what is a purpose. So we, then we won't be. When the time and the day comes, we will not be prepared at all. We will not be prepared at all. If you turn with me to the Gospel according to John, chapter 12, verse 23 to 28. This is Jesus, okay? These are the last hours, practically, of his life on earth. Jesus answered them and saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. He who loves his life, his life, will ultimately die without fulfilling his purpose. He will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Now, he's coming to his end, okay? He knows the cross is right there before him for a, in a few hours' time. Betrayal, the pain of betrayal, and then the betrayal from all of mankind, and then the cross, the father will turn his face away, he knows it all. For my soul is troubled. So Jesus also had a soul. And he's living his soul life for the will of his father. But now when he looks what is ahead, his soul is troubled. But when my soul is troubled, what shall I say? What shall I say? What shall be my response? My soul is extremely troubled by what is lying ahead. What shall be my response? Father, save me from this hour? He says, no. For this purpose I came. 
for this purpose I came to this hour. The hour has come. My entire life was coming to this hour. And I have been preparing for this hour. And when this hour comes, I will not fail. If we do not prepare, when the hour comes, we will fail. From Egypt to the promised land was a 11 day journey. But God took them through a long route for two years so that they would be prepared because they were ignorant slaves who had lived in bondage for hundreds of years. So he didn't take it. He knew they were not prepared. So the whole journey of two years was a journey of preparation. But when the actual hour came, they failed. They failed. The rest, 38 years, was meandering through the desert, living life without purpose. Okay, so please understand this. The words which you hear on Sundays and other days, don't take it lightly. Because there is a day, either we will be glorified or we will be empty when we stand before God. We may have just salvation and nothing else because we didn't prepare and we did not fulfill our purpose. This is Jesus. All his life was a preparation. And the hour has come. And his soul is extremely troubled. Extremely troubled. Don't ever think when those real moments in really life for which all you have been prepared, it's going to be excitement. Because the kingdom of this world will come with all its force against God's purpose in your life. And your soul will be troubled. But he says, if you love your life, you will lose it. If you love it. But if you are willing to lose your life for my sake, he says, you will find it. And his soul is troubled. Do you love your life? Or whether you are willing to lose your life? And he says, I'm willing to lose it. Okay. He says, I'm troubled. But what shall I say? In the light of my troubles, in the light of the opposition, the light of everything that is standing against me, what shall I say? Should I pray, Lord, Father, save me from this hour? He says, no, I'm very clear. I know exactly for what purpose I have come. So I will instead say, for this purpose, I came. And that hour has come. And therefore, he says, Father, glorify your name. I won't say, Father, save me from this. Instead, Father, may you be glorified in my life. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. He says, I have glorified it. I have glorified it. Understand, that is how it works. Okay? This is all of Jesus' life. If you turn with me to Luke chapter 1, I think it's 2, 2.49. He said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? How old is he? Twelve years old. Okay. Twelve years old. Very early in life. So I said, you kids are blessed. And you are actually wasting your time. Because you've encountered Christ or heard about Christ very early in life. And God put you in the midst of a church or in a church which has been teaching you about Christ for years. Jesus understood his purpose 
very early in life, by the time you are 12 years old. If you are able to know Christ and his purpose early in life, you know what? You don't waste time. You don't waste time. You have so much time for preparation. When are your board exams? February? March? March. Okay. Supposing the government announces say, exams are postponed to July. You will all be very happy because you got more time to prepare. More time to prepare. That is the whole thing. Oh wow, I got two more extra times to prepare. I can really prepare well and do it well. And there is a God. It's a living God. And there is this awesome sovereignty of election in which our names are written in the Lamb's book of life before we were born. But if we get to know God early, very early in life, and we understand, you know what? We have time to prepare. So at the age of 12, the first recorded words, if you have a red letter Bible, you will see these are the first recorded words of Jesus at the age of 12. And there he says, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? He understood what he was to be about, what I should be doing, my father's business. Okay? That is at the age of 12. Now, 21 years later, he says, the hour has come. The culmination of the father's purpose. That soul is troubled. But what shall I say? Father, save me. He says, no. For this purpose, I came. For this purpose, I came. So God is telling the children of Israel, arise through the leader, arise, cross over, get ready to cross over. For this was the day you were waiting for. This was the day you were waiting for. All these 40 years, new generation, this was the day you were waiting for. And you, Joshua, all your life you've been waiting for. You're 80 years old. You have heard the stories from your forefathers. You saw the miracles God worked in Egypt, brought you down. Then the others disbelieve you want, but you've been waiting for this hour. Now arise and cross over. Arise to cross over. But he says, remember, you can't just cross over. You need to prepare. We need to prepare. We need to prepare. So now we need to understand, like Jesus prepared, there is only one Messiah and there will be only one Messiah, that is Jesus. His purpose was to save us. But when we are saved and we are put into the body of Christ, there is a purpose in our life which is messianic. Understand that. Are you getting it? We are not messiahs. But our purpose is messiah. We become part of God's salvation plan in the earth. Because only one body. So he remember, a body you have prepared for me. For this purpose I came, O Lord, to do your will in the volume of the book. So it has two meanings. One, he had a physical body, he prepared it. Second, he has a spiritual body, that is us. So we are the continuation of God's purpose, everyone. The purpose in its specificity may not be the same, but we are all part of the purpose. We are all part of the purpose. Once we have understood that, okay. Now let us look at 
chapter 9 and verse 6. Okay. Acts chapter 9, verse 6. This is Saul of Tarsus. He's encountering Jesus Christ. Once he understands who Jesus is, this is the Messiah. I, with ignorance, was fighting what I should be fighting for. I was fighting against, he says. The next question, Lord, what do you want me to do? I don't know whether you have ever asked this question really before God. You are not going to get answers unless you ask questions. Okay? Because it is written in Luke chapter, we don't have to go there, 248. He was sitting at the temple asking questions and listening. Listening and asking questions. If you don't ask questions, you don't get answers. So his first question when he encounters Jesus, this is how you find purpose. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, again the same word, arise. Arise. Go into the city. Go into the city. Okay? Arise. Go into this place. Go to this location. When you go into this location, your purpose will be defined. Okay? Joshua, he said, arise and cross over. You will understand your purpose. To us, God says, arise and have put you in the church. Go to the church where the word of God is preached. Listen carefully. Ask questions. You will understand your purpose. You will understand your purpose. Okay. That's what has happened. But if you go to verse 20 and 21, okay, 20, 20 onwards actually, Okay, 20 onwards. Immediately he preached Christ in the synagogues. We know Ananias was told three days he was blind without eating, fasting, all that we know. Ananias came, laid hands, the scales fall off, he was baptized, he ate. But immediately he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who are called on his name in Jerusalem? And has come here for that purpose, so that he might bring them bound to the chief prefect. They knew his old purpose. And now he said, he is now preaching Christ. Let's go further. Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving this, Jesus is the Christ. After many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. And their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down through the wall in a large basket. And verse 26 says, when Saul came to Jerusalem. Now this is what happened. He got saved. Immediately in his zeal, he jumped out. And in his zeal, only he confounded the Jews. He saved nobody. Okay. This is the problem. You see, you are saved, but you are not prepared. You are not prepared. Your purpose is to, to be messianic in nature. But you are not prepared for this job. So immediately you jump in. That's what happens to a lot of young people. They immediately jump in and they confound everybody. Meaning, ah, oh, what a great speaker. Nobody gets convicted. Nobody gets saved. Because you are not prepared. You are not prepared. Okay. There is a preparation that goes on. He is not prepared. And if you look at it, verse 26 says, When Saul had come to Jerusalem. Now go to book of Galatians, chapter 1. Chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was, which was preached by me is not according to man. 
For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now we go to verse 17 and 18. Nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years I went to Jerusalem to see Peter and remain with him for 15 years. That's why we need to understand, we have to read very, very carefully, because the Bible is not given to casual readers. These are people who are searching for Christ. Then only you will see. So in Acts chapter 9, 25, they let him down the wall in a basket. And next verse is, I went to Jerusalem. He went to Jerusalem three years later. He was let down in the basket. And God took him into the deserts of Arabia to prepare him. There is a preparation. To prepare him. You are, I have chosen you. I have called you. And I have called you for this very specific purpose. But you don't jump in your zeal and do without preparation. Because if you go with preparation, what will happen is, you are bound to fail. You may confound people, but out of confounding the people, all they want to do is kill you. Nobody is convicted. Nobody is saved. They hate you. Because you are not prepared. You are not prepared. Now he is prepared. And three years later when he comes prepared, it's a different man altogether. So understand the value of preparation in life. Because purpose and preparation goes together. That's why each one of us is put in the body of Christ. All of you sitting over here, except the two of us, you are not called to ministry like us, but all are called to be a witness. A witness. Understand that. Purpose is, that way we are all common. Messianic. What is that? To witness. Now go back to Galatians 1, 15 and 16. This is purpose. Common purpose. When it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb. So we were all set apart. If you were, if you are saved, you are part of the elect. If you are part of the elect, it doesn't matter when you came to know Christ. You are separated from your mother's womb. From your mother's womb, God had set you apart. You came to know it only at one particular point in time. But you were set apart. It is not that after you're born and 10 years later, 15 years later, God look, oh, this child is so nice. She is good. So I will pick her. No, you are separate from your mother's womb. For what? By grace, for what? To reveal his son in me. Understand, mark that. That is purpose. That is purpose. Purpose of life. The messianic purpose in our life is to reveal Christ in us. That is why God says, if any man loves his life, he will lose it because all you will reveal is yourself. So he immediately went and preached Christ but revealed himself. And they were, con they were confounded. Nobody could argue with him. What he was revealing was his law from law, quoting, 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 and they all were confounded. All they wanted was to kill him because what he revealed was himself and not Christ. It's Christ. To reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the 
Gentiles. Get this. This is our purpose. To reveal Christ through us. That is what purpose is. So it doesn't matter if you are saved. In school, college, university, working in any company, private, government or in ministry. This is my primary purpose, to reveal Christ in me. That's my witness. That's my witness. Old Testament pictures, it didn't matter where Joseph was. He revealed Christ through the way he walked. Everyone ultimately said, his God is with him. Potiphar said, prison warden said, Pharaoh said, three Gentiles. They said, same case with Daniel or his three friends. Ultimately, the king said, their God is God. This is purpose. If you don't get it very clearly, Lord, my purpose is to reveal you, not reveal myself. That's why we are all idolaters. We like India, Indian idol and American idol, Britain God, because this is all projection of self. We love them. All the junk people watch, including people in the church, is only feeding yourself. The more it feeds yourself, the more miserable you will be. Because you are receiving dreams and ambitions for which you don't have the power or the money to fulfill. And the more miserable you become. All the Korean thing and Japanese thing, all the soap opera. And you're dreaming about a woman or a man who does not fit in with God's reality. Before you're married, you're miserable. After you're married, you're miserable. You know why? Because you're feeding your mind with junk. And never fulfilling purpose. The purpose was to reveal Christ. You're finding your life. And in the process, you know what? You will lose it. This is the truth God is telling. This is actual truth. Because we are not comparing anything with truth. We are comparing with our present reality. The truth is this. Who is being revealed? Who is being revealed? I mean, weekend was a very tough day. Tough, physically tiring and mentally exhausting. Till last night I was here. I think I went around 9.45. So many things were happening. We were on our toes. I was tired, exhausted and I was hungry. Interesting part was when I went home, of course, I had my regular, whatever it was, puri or roti or something. Ma had made chicken curry. I'm telling you because you know Ma very well, you know me also, kind of well. Ma made chicken curry and she made her American chicken curry, which is sweet. So I was irritated because I don't like chicken sweet. Okay. Now, if you come to my house and you see all these new maids who have come in, they are all very happy, quiet, because in my house, voice is never raised. We are happy, we are quiet, we are peaceful. In one week, they all settle down because they have never experienced anything like that. So yesterday, the new maid, for the first she's not even a believer. She's just transitioning, young girl from the other side of the world. She looked at me, she was surprised. Okay, so She was saying she had never seen me irritated. It's so interesting how God speaks, okay? So, I said, <laughs> at the end of the day, I was just looking forward to eating after two days of hunger. And you had to do this thing, okay? And she's starting to follow English. 
but she speaks it to me in nepali which my doesn't understand okay so she said something and then when she went down i was laughing i said do you know what she said i said no and she said no your wife made it no just eat it and enjoy it <laughs> and i said god you got jokes okay you have to correct me through this girl <laughs> Mama's <laughs> <laughs> laughing away again when I told her what it is so she said out of the mouth of children <laughs> I said literally true okay so then when she came back I said okay uh, I said child it was a tough two days for me you know you know you know Saturday I woke up at 3:00 Sunday I woke up at 3:00 I was tired exhausted but it's not a physical it's the pressure on your soul because things that are happening and it's not just things that are happening it is the blindness of the church that causes pressure that people have no idea what is actually happening around the world you have no clue what's happening around the world we are at a tipping point the church doesn't wake up i'm not saying you will the whole world will follow her but god is willing to wait another 40 years for another generation to rise and allow this generation to pass away into nothingness like he did with the first generation of israel we don't understand the ways of god so we need to be very very careful our generation will just wander away and god says i will wait another generation will rise we are at that tipping point or we are very fast reaching to the end very fast so the pressure is intense Okay. Now, if you look at Jesus, the pressure is intense upon him. His disciples have no clue at all. They are still asking who will sit on the left, who will sit on the right. They have absolutely no clue at all. Blinded to the spiritual reality of what the Savior is going through, and the church cannot be blinded to what is actually happening in the kingdom of God, because we are part of the kingdom of God. not part of this world we are in this world but we are not of this world our citizenship is of heaven and saying my citizenship is of heaven and i have no clue what heaven is doing on earth then i am blind i am blind okay this is where we have to be very very careful your your age is irrelevant at 12 jesus knew what his father's business was his parents thought he was lost he was not lost he was not lost so we have to understand you cannot it doesn't matter where you are you may be a student in school in college or working in a private company but this is my purpose that christ may be revealed in me and it changes our entire attitude of how we work how you study how you conduct yourself everything changes because you need to realize you lord help me to hide myself so that you may be seen in those crucial hours we cannot afford to fail because preparation is a huge thing when a man or a woman is called for a huge task like moses huge task preparation was 80 years 80 years of preparation Because you're going to be. Yet, in one of the most 
crucial moments of his life, he failed. You know what? Hit the rock. You know where he failed? He failed to reveal God to the people. Failed to reveal God to the people. He said, you did not honor me in front of the people. In public, in public, we need to understand, in public, if we fail, one minute is enough to destroy an entire life's purpose in one minute. In public, we are not talking about private, in public. So God was preparing him for years and 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 he lost it. We saw as last yesterday morning, God is kind, merciful, showed him everything. But the fact is that, like David, like David, no? What is Moses entire? I want to lead these people into the promised land. He couldn't do that. What is David's whole thing? I want to build the ark, to build the temple. God says, you are a man of blood. He's not talking about, he's talking only about Uriah. He's not talking about war. He's not talking about Goliath. He's talking, you are, your hand has got blood on it. One moment failing. One moment failing. In public. Sign the execution order of his own loyalty. And God said, you know what? That one thing disqualifies you from, from building my temple. So we need to realize, you know what? These are pictures given in the Old Testament to teach us about the importance of purpose. And this is the purpose. And there is a preparation. And if you don't know your purpose, you will not know how to prepare. You will not know how to prepare. Okay, This is what a young student called Daniel understood. He is in a college, selected on merit, Put in a college, the king wants these guys to become administrators, Indian, Babylonian civil service, literally, okay? But he understood purpose. And his purpose is not about his studies first. It's not about working hard. He did all that. He was very good at all that. But that's not the first thing. You know what? He did purposed, the Bible says, he purposed in his heart. That I will not defile myself. Because if I defile myself, I cannot reveal Christ. I can excel in studies. I can be better, as good as anybody. King may select me, put me as one of the satras. All these things may happen. And that is good for me. But that's not good for Christ. It may be good for you. But that's not being messianic. The question is, is it good for Christ? So as young people or older people, wherever you are, you need to realize that is the key thing. Because if you don't know purpose, you don't know how to prepare. Daniel knew his purpose. My purpose, I'm in Babylon, I'm here, but my purpose is to reveal God in me. So he did the purpose in his heart. I will not defile myself. The rest God did. He worked hard, he studied hard, he listened, never bunked classes, attended all lectures, listened carefully, took notes. He did it all. But why did he do it all? Not for himself. Not for himself. Get these pictures. Okay. So to Joshua, God will say, there is a preparation. There is a preparation that goes before purpose. Can be fulfilled. 
possessing the life of Jesus Christ. That is our purpose. For which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I want you to have my life. Is what Christ is telling all of us. So what is the purpose? What is the first thing God tells him? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Be strong. Be courageous. Don't and do. Don't and do. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Be strong. Be courageous. Instructions given. God says, if you want to fulfill purpose, there is a preparation. Meaning, you have to keep on dealing with fear. The Bible says, when Israel came out, they were slaves, very fearful. There was a short way, but because of the Philistines, God brought them through a long way because he knew they were not ready to handle this. That he didn't leave that. And then he took them to the Red Sea and all. But after that, he was slowly dealing with their fears. Don't worry about provision. Provision is coming. Don't worry about clothes. Clothes will not wear away. He says, you don't worry about these things. I will take care of it. You understand purpose and move. Deal with your fears. Then the Amalekites came and they showed them how to fight an interceding priest and a fighting. And they were winning, winning. Then the all king of He was teaching them. They were dealing with their fears, 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 fears. But the crucial hour, two years later, when they heard the report, fear came in and they lost their purpose. They lost their purpose. Okay. So God says, you need to understand these things. We need to understand the first thing is that you have to deal with fear. And you have to learn to make yourself strong. And courageous. In little things, little things, little things, and bigger things, you have to learn to be bold, not street smart. In the things of God, you have to learn to be bold. You have to learn to be courageous. You have to learn how to lean on to God and receive His strength. Let's turn to First Peter chapter 3, verse 13 to 15. Who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? He says, be good. If you are good, who is going to harm you? Usually nobody will harm you if you are good. But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. Do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. Can I have NIV over there? Maybe a little different translation so that we will understand. Or maybe, okay. yes, it's a different, little more meaning over there. Who is going to harm you if you are <laughs> eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. Do not fear what they fear. You need to realize... Every day when you are listening, even when you go to school, to class, and get very scientifically educated, watch and listen to all these things. What is getting into your mind is you learn to fear what the world fears. You learn to fear what the world fears. Therefore, those saved 
people live in bondage. Though they were Israelites, they learned to fear what the Egyptians feared in Egypt. We will live like that, and die like that, as children of God. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. Fear is a real, real thing. Fear is a real, you can be the best, righteous, blameless man before God and yet do things because you fear. That is Job. There was a man called Job and God had a testimony about Job before man and before the devil. He gave a testimony. There's nobody like that him. But he had children and the children were wavered. And every time after their party, he kept on offering these sacrifices, thinking perhaps they must have sinned when they were drunk or something. But it was all rooted in fear. And ultimately, when everything is gone, his testimony is, what I feared, 325, I'm right, what I feared has come upon me. What I feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. Do you know all the things? All the things which he did was right. But the reason he did it was not faith. It was fear. It was fear. That's why God is talking about. Do not fear what they fear. Do not fear what they fear. So he's telling Joshua, Joshua, do not fear. You're going to cross over. You're going to cross over. On the other side are enemies. Huge cities, mighty men of war, huge armies like swarms. But do not fear as they fear. And he's telling us, if you are talking with your Gentile friends and you listen to them, if you listen to their dreams and their fears and it finds an echo in you, then you are dreaming just like them and fearing just like them. God says, you are destined to lose. Eternally. Do not fear what they fear. Neither aspire what they aspire for. Because you were set apart from your mother's womb. Let's go back to First Peter chapter 3. Who's going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So be very clear. Always be prepared. Always be prepared. To give an answer. We'll come that come back to that later. Now go to Isaiah chapter eight, verse twelve and thirteen. Do not say a conspiracy concerning all that these people call a conspiracy, nor be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. The Lord of hosts are you are you back in KJ in KJ? Yeah, yeah. It's the same, okay? Do not fear what they fear, okay? Don't call a conspiracy everything that these people call conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear. Do not dread it. 
The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread. He says, don't be afraid of what people are afraid of. And don't be afraid of whatever they say. You need to consider God holy. And be afraid of what he says. That every work will be tested by fire. Everyone has to come through fire. It is appointed to every man to die once. After that is judgment. You need to focus on these things. Look back at the history of mankind for 6,000 years. From Solomon to Nebuchadnezzar. Everybody was judged. Nobody has escaped his judgment. Because there is a purpose. Ultimately it is God's will that is working out. Even in the midst as if nothing is happening. He says, you need to be very careful about these things. You see, with the country where I grew up, okay, where I grew up and I studied when I was small, okay, their education is absolutely before, not now, old days. Now it's also still there. It's completely taken care of by the government. You had only government schools, okay? So what happens is when you get into school, um, when you get into school, the uniform is given by the school, the food, the books are given by the school, there is no fees, and everything is free, okay? Uh, even for day scholars, everything is free. Lunch is also given. But jobs are very, very few. So the first board exam is in class 5. Board exam is in class 5. The second board exam is in class 8. The third board exam is in class 10. And the next board exam is in class 12. At 5, there is a screening. You don't go through that. They will put you into the lowest category of training or peons, whatever this thing they will send you. Government will not support you after that. If you want to do yourself, go to India and study if you have money. Those who cross class 5, next is class 8. You don't clear that, they will send you to the next category. If you have money, go to India and study. So they were very careful because they knew that you had only one chance. There is no coming back next year and writing the board exam. One chance. Class 8. Then class 10. 10 was a huge thing to pass then was not easy. Then there is only one college. Only one college. This number of seats. And only that number of students will get into that college. Then if you clear college, science, MBBS, whatever, if your grade is good, they will take care of you. They had seats in CMC Vellore for Brittany students. Government of India has given. And all India Institute of Medical Sciences, AFMC Pune. Government of India had given the students from Bhutan 10-15 seats. And if you happen to be one of those persons who has finished well completely in government care with boarding facility, everything, when you join for MBBS, you get your salary from first month while you're studying. Government takes care of you all the while. But remember, you are being screened. You get only one chance. You don't get two chances. God is saying, remember, take life very seriously. You get only one chance. Only one chance. You don't get two chances. This life. This life. One chance. Not for salvation. For your rewards. 
one chance. You don't get two chances. So there is preparation. What I'm saying, if you look at the old covenant patterns, a man who was prepared for a specific purpose of for 80 years could only fulfill half the purpose and not complete the purpose. What was his purpose? Bring the people out of Egypt and take them into the promised land. He brought them out, but he couldn't take them in. Why? Because at a crucial hour, he missed. He put away the treasures of Egypt. He put away the wisdom of Egypt. He refused to call himself the Pharaoh's daughters and all that he did. But he still had an issue. He didn't deal with his anger. That was his issue. He did not learn to put a lid on his anger. At the crucial hour, in public before everybody, he lost his temper. God said, you didn't reveal me. Step aside. It was not that he lost his temper with his wife at home. It's private. It's a different thing. He lost his temper in public before all the people and brought God's name into it. And God said, you and Aaron did not honor me in front of the people. Understand the amount of preparation you need to fulfill, finish your race to get your crown. Because this is not Babylonian civil service. This is not Indian civil service. This is royal civil service you will enter into. If you overcome, you shall reign with me. How should you overcome? As I overcame and I'm sitting out with my father on the throne. That's how you have to look at it. If you don't see life and all the trials and everything that you're facing in the light of it, You'll miss it. You'll miss it. And God says, be very careful. Be very, very careful. Why? Even Isaiah is saying the same thing. And now Peter is, by revelation, quoting from Isaiah. And he's saying, this is what it means. This is what it means. Be serious about life. Okay, very serious. Let me, this is not this, uh, uh, Fear like in the world, okay? When you, when your, uh, when your final exam gets closer and closer, there is a fear in you. It's not a bad fear. It's not a bad fear. It is just that fear helps you to prepare because it really it makes you, makes you, uh, what? Focused because it's getting closer and closer and closer. So that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. That's not the worldly kind of fear. So we are talking about something else because you know what? Otherwise what will happen is when we come to a crisis in life, we will give in to our fears. And not faith. Give in to our fears. There is a crisis facing. So you are whole life, Christian life is a preparation to fulfill purpose. God's purpose. And what stands in our way is fear. When Paul is telling his his disciple, godly disciple, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Timothy, you know what? Until you learn to tackle this, you will never fulfill purpose. And it's true. Timothy tackled it, 
overcame it, became the bishop of Ephesus, and if I'm right, he also was martyred. He learned. He learned. But the thing is that you have to learn. We are not talking about death and all. That is easy. The difficult part is dying to self. That is very difficult. Okay, Dying to self. If you turn with me to Genesis chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. The Lord called the man and said, Where are you? This Adam and Eve who have run. Right? So he calls Adam and says, Where are you? I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. When man fell, the first spirits to enter him was the spirit of fear and the spirit of shame. Spirit of fear? Spirit of shame. These are the two things that comes in. So they try to cover themselves up. Do you know most people, whatever they do is because of these two things? That's why I always tell you, if anybody asks you in your school, college, who is your father, say Pastor James. You don't have to be ashamed from where you come from. You do not know how strong shame is in people and their entire life is in covering that. Why do you think Christ was born to his two semi-literate poor people called Joseph and Mary? Why do you think he was born in the manger and his, he, the baby was put in a manger? Why do you think he went through it all to say that you cannot be, you don't have to be ashamed? I came to set you free from shame and fear. See, when you are aspiring for something, be very sure you are not doing it because deep inside you are ashamed. You are ashamed. Do you know much of the things which people do in the world is controlled by these two spirits, fear and shame? And ultimately, you know what happens? Your fear and your shame pushes you and you ultimately become something. You are just a hypocrite. You really are not who you are. <laughs> you are what the spirit of fear and shame made you. And the Son of Man came to set us free. And the first thing he sets us free is that he takes our sin away and says, I give you the authority to be the children of God. He says, you don't have to be ashamed. Let people say whatever they want to say. You should know whose you are. Now you tell the world, I'm God's child. They won't understand. So don't try to tell them also. They won't understand. What do you mean you are God's child? Don't worry. The world doesn't know me. They won't know you also. But you should not be living or doing things to cover your shame. We don't put it that way. Cover our shame. We say our dreams, our aspirations. But what is empowering it? Empowering it. These are things which I used to talk to my students in that country when I was saying, you see, one good thing about teaching literature English is that you can always bring purpose and God without mentioning in that nation about Christ. I used to ask my kids, I used to ask my kids, what do you want to be? No, sir, I want to do this. I want to enter royal civil service. I said, okay. Their collector is called Zongda. I said, you want to be ultimately a Zongda? Yes, sir, I want to be a Zongda. How much does a Zongda make? Ah, so I said, have you checked his salary? We are talking about many years. So he says, around 20,000. 
I said, then I'll go look and says, hey, I like your haircut. Where did you get your haircut? No, that barber shop, sir, in that city. I said, oh, what's the barber Bhutanese? And he said, no, Indian. I said, do you know where he comes from? Yeah, he's a state called Bihar. And do you know how much, have you ever asked him after rent, everything is paid, how much he makes every month? He, he said, no. I said, ask him. He makes more than your collector. But he won't become a barber because you're ashamed. You're ashamed. You won't. Because you want a cover. Do you know those plumbers and electricians who come to fix our... Do you know they make more money than the ministers? And they don't pay tax either. Do you know the kind of money they make? Really? You need to talk to them. One Muslim electrician told me, I was sitting and working, I was sitting and watching him, and we were talking, he was conversing, and he's telling me nicely, Sir, I have six daughters. I said, oh, really? All married. I said, okay. First one, I gave six lakhs. Second one, I gave five lakhs. Third one, I said, oh, my gosh. Where is this man coming from? <laughs> and nobody wants to be an electrician. I'm thinking about, but I'm saying, it is not bad to aspire and all. But you need to ask yourself, are you ashamed? Is it shame that is driving you? Is it fear that is driving you? Because these are the two spirits that came in. They are ashamed. I am afraid. God says, okay, and we have to be very, very careful. Very, very careful. Because you know, this is the reality. I go through it. You go through it. We all go through it. We are always in a country like India. We are often very ashamed to witness Christ. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. He should, why is he saying that? Because he was a Jew. He was a Jew. A Pharisee of Pharisees. Blameless according to the law. Who persecuted Christians because he thought they were wrong. And now God humbled him, saved him and said, now go preach Christ to the Jews. First ministry is all to the Jews. And he says, you know what? When I stand before them, I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of Christ. Because Christ saved me, the worst of sinners. I am not ashamed. Many Christians who are genuinely saved are ashamed to witness. Because they are more afraid of what will people say, what will they say, what will they say. Oh, no, what will they say? They will say, oh, you are a Christian. How can you be a Christian? What is your caste? Because in India, all the Christians are scheduled caste. Are you scheduled caste? These are things they will say. And you're ashamed. You say, I am casteless. <laughs> what is your caste? I am outcast. I've gone behind the gate sharing his reproach. What is your caste? I am outcast. Like I said yesterday. <laughs> okay. Like I said. If you do not think on these things, you will not know what to say. If you do not think on these things, you will not know what to say. You will not know what to say. Because this is a very strong thing. Because I am telling you, you know where I come from? I am from Kerala. 
where one third of the population is Christian. But you ask them, they will say, we are Syrian Christians. They won't say they are Christians. We are Syrian Christians. Why? Because they are ashamed. Who are Syrian Christians? All of Brahminic her heritage. Because the first Nambudri seven families which Thomas converted were Nambudris. They were Brahmins. And their descendants are called Syrian Christians. One of the first things which I took off was the Syrian tag from my name. So in my family, I am the only non-Syrian Christian. The first time, I'm telling you a secret. You know, young days, when you're unmarried, and you meet a girl, and you want to get married, and the girl goes home, you know the first question the girl's father asked about me? He didn't ask education. He didn't ask job. Is he Syrian or not? If he's not Syrian, no discussion further. If he's Syrian, we will talk further. You know why? Because you're ashamed. You are ashamed. Understand, these are real things. Shame is a real thing. Fear is the same thing. If you don't have fear, you may have shame and it still cripples you. And you know, you don't have shame, but you have fear, you are still crippled. And we will never be able to reveal Christ in us. And fear is a real thing. It's an absolutely real thing. And God says, deal with these things. Why? Your purpose is to... See, Jesus the Father gave him a tag. Even till we say, Jesus of Nazareth, be healed in Jesus of Nazareth. But when he was living, Jesus of Nazareth is a very bad title. Because nothing good will come out of Nazareth. And he's not ashamed to say, I'm from Nazareth. He doesn't change. No, no. I am from the tribe of Judah, born in Bethlehem, from the line of... He never mentions that. Because they assumed rightly that he was uh, Messiah, they called him the son of David. Nobody went and checked his family line. But everybody said Jesus of Nazareth. And he was not bothered at all. Because he knew who he was. he was. Get these pictures right in the beginning when you are young. Don't be ashamed. You will not be ashamed only if you know who you really are. And you don't have to be proud also about it. Because you can be proud. You know how I was born in the royal lineage. You know you were not. You were adopted into it. God found no merit in me or you. In his mercy and his grace, he birthed us. So I don't have to be proud also about it. Okay? I am glad, but I am not proud. Should be our attitude. Get these pictures. Because we have to be very, very careful. And in the world where you see both fearlessness and shamelessness is demonic. There are people in the world who are they're fearless. But if you go deep inside, you will see it's demonic. And you will see, especially now in the modern culture, people are shameless the way they dress. It's not normal. It's demonic. It's demonic. It's both are there. Fearless and shameless. Fear and shame. 
and fearless and shameless. Both are demonic. Both are demonic. So be very, very careful. Because the reason is this. If fear gets into your life, delay comes into your life. Why did Israel lose 38 years? Because of fear. Because of fear. When God calls us, picks up, we were all fearful and ashamed. But you have to learn to deal with it. Otherwise, there will be delay. You will be delayed. And if you don't overcome, you will be denied. Gideon, when he is picked, is a fearful character. But God is preparing him to deal with his fears. Took some period of time. He's allowing him to deal with it. This is what you're afraid of. If you cut your father, this, this is what will happen. Go do it. Okay. One by one by one by one by his fears. Lord, you're telling me, how will I know your power? Okay, fleece out, fleece in. All this is okay. Fears is being done. You're still afraid. Go with your servant to the enemy's camp. Listen to what they say about me and you. And it's now all this thing. And then he blows the trumpet. 32,000 people come. God says, remove the fearful. They cannot be used for purpose. They cannot be used for my purpose. This is the last day's battle. This is the end game. Numbers don't matter. Numbers are irrelevant in God's battle. What I want are people who are fearless, who have dealt with the spirit of fear, and they do not fear. He says, tell all the fearful to go before you looked gone. 22,000 gone. He says, still not enough. I need a set of people whose hearts and minds are stayed on purpose. Another gone. 9,700 gone. Think about it. God could only find 300 people, you know who? Who were not afraid and who had stayed on their purpose. And God said, with them, with them, I'll bring deliverance for Israel. So these are not small things. So in every really day-to-day life, we have to be very, very careful. How am I? How am I dealing with issues of life? When crisis comes, what will I do? What will I do? Let's come back. To First Peter. Chapter 3. Verse 13 to 15. Chapter 3. Yeah, yeah, same thing. Yeah. So, don't be afraid, he says. Do not fear as they fear. Do not be Frightened. Don't fear. Don't have the same fears. Okay? Same fears. So you need to ask this question to deal with the fear. Set God apart in your hearts. What does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? Will God be pleased with how I do it? Go to Luke chapter 2 and verse 46. We'll read from verse 46. Yeah, verse 15 is. Okay, that's good. Look at verse 15. 315. Let's know. But in your hearts, in your hearts, that's what you need to do. If you have to deal with fear. In your hearts, set apart. You have been, God has set you apart in Christ. 
Now you set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts. Okay? Now if you go to Jesus, okay? Words chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, words 40. It's Sunday service, okay? For them. So don't worry the time. And you have a holiday also. It is good. So it was that after three, I want it in KJV, okay? KJV, KJV. So because NKJV gets the meaning, all the, all the other translation doesn't get it fully right. Sometimes you need to check. It came to pass that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. Yeah. Come further. Yeah. After how many days? After? Three days. After? Three days. And all that they heard, all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said to them, How is it that you sought me? Wist ye, ye, I mean, didn't you know that I must be about my father's business? Look at the, look at, look at the question the mother asked. Right? It came to pass that after three days, after how many days? Three days. They searched and 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 searched. After three days, they found him in the temple. Look at what he is asking them in. He said to me, how is that you sought me? He's looking, he's talking to his mom. Mom, who came to you and told you about me? Gabriel, right? Angel told dad about him, me. The prophecies of Simeon, the prophecies of Anna. All these things you heard, no? The question is not, why did you search for me? The question is, how did you search for me? Why did you waste three days? The minute you knew I was in there, you should have known where to look for me. should have known where to look for me. You wasted three days. Because after all these things, if I was in there, you didn't know I would be in the temple. Oh, our son is lost. Searching, 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 searching. You see, you could have angelic visitations, all these things, but if you don't know your son's purpose, you don't know where to look for him. If you don't know your purpose, you would you will not know what to look for, where to look for. If you don't know. If you don't understand purpose, even when you read the Bible, you will hear wrongly. You won't hear correctly. Purpose. Set Christ apart as Lord in your hearts. What is my purpose? That he may reveal Christ in me. That is our preparation. Use God's power. Use God's, learn God's 
principles, all that. But what is the whole thing? Not to reveal me, but to reveal Christ. First Peter chapter 1 verse 3. Any, any version is now enough. Okay. Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again into a living. We have a living hope. What is our living hope? The Spirit of Christ in us that tells us you are my child, Abba, Father. If you have a father, then you have a child. You are the child, right? That is our living hope. Christ in me. That is our living hope. And then the same letter in chapter 3 and verse 15, yeah, chapter 3, verse 15, he says, But sanctify the Lord God in your heart and always be ready, or always be prepared. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. When you have set Christ apart as Lord and you have a living and your entire purpose in life is even as you are a student or a worker, working hard, everything. But when they see you reacting to crisis, be prepared. Be prepared always. Are we getting the picture? When sickness comes, you are not scared. You trust God for his healing and his health. And when they see that, they will ask you, why are you not scared? And you will tell them, because let me tell you, do you know my God? My God is the God who hung on the cross. And do you know what he did on the cross? He took sin upon himself and death he overcame. Do you know everything that happens to a human being is the consequences of sin. So if he has taken sin away, he has taken sickness away. That's the reason for my hope. I am not afraid. Reason. So how you react in sickness is important. How you react to poverty is important. Because the world is all scared of poverty. Scared of poverty. And because of poverty, people do all kinds of crazy things. Because of poverty. And you should say, how come you are not scared? How come you are not scared? How do they know you are not scared? Because you always give. You may not spend much on yourself. But you are. The Bible doesn't say God loves cheerful giving. No, he says he loves a cheerful giver. The attitude to money, the way your hands are always there, willing to help, you know the need, and you are not scared of giving your last might. They said, how come you are not scared? Because you will say, you know my Jesus, he has made me rich in faith. He has made me rich in faith. That is how Christ is revealed. Every test, every trial is designed by God so that we will not lean to ourselves and fear what they fear, but will reveal Christ through us. Every trial. Every trial. So I said, we are not afraid. 
You're not afraid. You check my bank balance. It's below minimum. And Ma has 250 rupees in her account. Because we emptied it till last night. And we are not afraid. Every day you can come and check our bank accounts. It will be below balance. Every day. We are not afraid. You know why we are not afraid? Because he has made us rich in faith. You know your kids sitting over here? Your children sitting over here? Most of you have more money than I have. But you are afraid. We are not afraid. You asked last night, who did we borrow the last 2,000 rupees from? Ask Jyoti. And said, we will return it today by faith. We are not afraid. It didn't come in one day. It came over a period of time. We had to battle these things because we know purpose. We are not revealing ourselves. We are revealing Christ. Because Christ is not afraid. Because on the cross, he gave his last drop of blood. Everything. Continuous, constant. You are not afraid. You are not afraid when sickness comes. You know when COVID came, I was the only one in the entire COVID world. When didn't came out, we thought COVID. We are not afraid. We are not boasting not about it. We are boasting about Christ. Because I will fall ill and die. And if I am boasting in myself, I will die in poverty. Hungry. But Christ? No way, I will say. Not Christ. So every test God puts in our life is designed, you need to realize by faith, you know what? It is to reveal Christ. But for that, you have to constantly set Christ apart. Constantly set apart. Everything. Everything. Whatever your status. Whether you are poor or rich, it does not matter. Christ can be revealed. Go to First Timothy chapter 6, 17 to 19. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty. Who is he talking to? To those in the church. These letters are not written to the people in the world. This is not to Abmani, Adani, Jeff, Bigger, Jesus, and this is not written to us who are in the church. And if there are rich people in the church, he said, don't be haughty. Not to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good. And they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. Says, if you are rich, if you are rich, he says, that is a test of Christ in you. That is a test of Christ in you. If you are poor, that is a test of Christ in you. Everything is a test. I told one of the pastors on Sunday after pastors gone, when he came to talk to me, I said, you know what? Many Christians will pass the test of poverty. Very few will pass the test of riches. Very few can handle it. Very few can handle it. When money comes, they distance themselves from the self takes over and before you know, you are gone. You are gone. You cannot handle it. That's what? Storing for themselves a good foundation for time to come that they made a hold of eternal life. Meaning, not only they have eternal life, now they are grabbing the life that Christ has come to give. You are not afraid. So in either situation, 
You need to realize, you know what? I will not let fear dominate me. I know purpose and I'm being prepared. There is a preparation that goes. Because you have to look into each one of our lives and see what are the fears that I fear? What are the fears that I fear? I'm afraid of people. What will people say about me? Think about me? Do I'm trying to put across a different picture? God gives us all things richly to enjoy. But we don't enjoy it that really. You know that? Because we are always living for somebody else. God gives us clothes. Good clothes. You wear it, you enjoy yourself. But you are not able to enjoy it because if you are trying to wear it for somebody else. Because they have to notice it. They have to appreciate it. Or they have to be at least jealous about it. That if they don't, But God gives us all things richly. He says, enjoy. Along with my son, I will give you all things you enjoy. But you cannot enjoy. If it is fear or shame that is propelling you, fear of man or shame about man. Hmm? Share about man. Hmm? So God says, always if you go to first Peter, let's have an IV that gives us the word prepare. 315. Okay. First Peter 3.15. Always be prepared. Always. Now the first thing, you need to have that living hope. You are daily learning to reveal God, reveal Christ in me. And when they ask you, wow, how come? You immediately stand and give your testimony. <laughs> oh, Babylon. King, King Nebuchadnezzar, you have no clue when you selected me what you got. I was a cat's whiskers in Jerusalem. All Jerusalem used to blow trumpets when I walked on the streets. Lot of testimonies which people give. It's not about Christ. It's not about Christ. They don't first bring their weakness and then show God's strength. They only show how great they were. And at the end, they bring a little like it's not a small print, put Christ there. (laughs) Always be prepared. (laughs) Give an answer to everyone. I mean, it's like modern day you will see, you know, huge poster of pastor standing with his hand and his wife beside him and down Jesus heals. <laughs> we have to consciously fight this because the self is always trying to project. Trying to project. Constantly trying to project. And you need to realize, no, that is a life of death. Eternally, everything will be just burnt away. Nothing will be left. Nothing will remain. So always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Now hope. What is hope? What is faith? Faith 
is the evidence of things hoped for. Are you getting it? Okay. So faith is the evidence. I mean, faith can be seen. Faith can be seen. God saw their faith. Jesus saw their faith and said, your sins are forgiven. Take a mat and go. He saw their faith. What did they come? Hoping for healing. What did Jesus see? Saw their faith. Are you seeing it? Getting it? So you have a living hope. So in sickness, you have a living hope. But what people see is your faith. They don't see your faith. They cannot ask you. Because what is seen is faith. Hope is not seen. It's deep in your heart. Nobody sees it. Only God sees it. But what can be seen as a testimony is faith. It's faith. Faith has to be seen. So the question is, if you and I do not choose to live by faith, faith, they cannot ask. They cannot see. They cannot see. They have to see. I told you this story. You know, these are mission stories. When I first went to that country, I was going to teach in a college. That was for the world. But I was going to do something else. That was not for them to know. The problem is all the underground churches are in the city. But my college is on the other side of the river, far away. All the lecturers are living in that area, joined. Because I was I was alone. All living together, save your rent. Because everybody goes there to work, make good money, send it home and everything. That's what they go there for. So they also thought I was there for that purpose. But my purpose was different. If I stay there, I can't do my work at night. So I need to stay in the city. The problem is you don't get a place in the city. It's packed. Second, the rents are very high. Two, gas is, connection is impossible. Telephone, impossible. I need a home. I need gas. I need telephone. So there I am. So where am I staying? I'm staying in a small little room in somebody's house who actually is a taxi driver. I'm living in his home, just above his kitchen. When I go to the college, everybody asks, sir, do you want to share with us? I said, no. I'm not. I'm waiting. Sir, you will not get in the city, sir. I said, I will get. What is the proof? I'm still staying in that room. I have a hope. But what are they seeing? Faith. One week is over. Two weeks is over. Sir, are you not going? Sir, I'm telling you, sir, you will not get, sir. Three weeks are over. Then one day somebody comes and says, in right in the middle of the city, there is another lecturer. He is looking for somebody to share. So I meet him and they said, but sir, nobody stays with him. He is terrible because he is a miser. He will ask account for everything. And he wants immediately have everything like that. He has gas, but if you use his gas, he will mark also how many minutes he have used. I said, not a problem. I talked to him and he was waiting, 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 waiting because nobody is willing to stay with him. I said, okay, sir, please come this thing. I said, okay, we'll agree this thing. 
So I get the place. Then he realized the guy who moved into is not a miser. He realized he has no issues with me. Okay. Then he realized I have no interest in anything else. Sir, where are you going in the night? I said, you don't worry about it. Little later, he started sharing all his problems and I started praying for him. Two months later, he packed up and he left. He said, I have to go back. My marriage is breaking down. I have to go back. He resigned. He left. Now everybody wants to move in with me. I said, no. Now you know what? In three, in one month or two months later after I moved into that place, yeah. I had a house of my own in the middle of the city. I had a gas connection and I had a telephone. Three things I needed. Why do you need a gas? Because I don't eat from outside. I'll wake up at four in the morning and cook. And I will go work and come back at 11 in the thir- at 30 in the night and you don't need a fridge because the whole country is a fridge. Okay. So you need to realize, you know what. But what was the evidence of your hope? You lived there. You refused to go. You brought me here and you know what I need. And I believe you will give it to me. This is the evidence. So God says in every situation, you need to ask yourself, what am I hoping for? I have a living hope. If I have a living hope, what are they going to see? When sickness comes, what are they going to see? When testing comes, what are you going to see? When trials come, what are they going to see? When exams come, what are you going to see? are you going to see? What Monday is board exam? Most difficult paper. Are you not? Can you come for combined study? No. Why? I'm going to church. What? How long it is? Yeah, going half an hour, coming half an hour, in between three hours. At least four hours before exam. Yes. Why? That's my faith. You are seeing. My success doesn't come from my hard work alone. It comes from my God. Mm -hmm. And I will not give my God anything that has not cost me. That's what they see. At every level, at every point, they should be able to see. They should be able to see. What is your hope? You are able to say the reason for your hope. Yeah. Okay. Everyone asks you, give the reason for the hope. Reason for your hope. First they have to see. Otherwise, they won't ask you for the reason. They have to see. If they don't see, they won't ask. If they don't ask, it's because they don't see. If they see something in your life is absolutely contrary to the fears of the world, they will ask, we fear this. How come you are like this? Others must have asked Daniel, vegetable kare? The eunuch is scared, sir. What are you telling me? You know these Babylonian kings. Ten days later, somebody will come and say, take a look at how they are looking. But the kings wants all smart, healthy people to work for them. You are looking thin and starved. My head will go. He says, don't fear. Try ten days. Ten days later, check us all out. Ten days. I'll be three, four, we'll eat only vegetable soup. Check us for 10 days. After 10 days, if we look weaker and leaner than the others, we'll go to meet. 
Do you see them? You need to ask yourself, what do they see? What do, what is that they see in me that they would ask a question? If they have to ask a question which is living, unlike what they have is dead. Why do you dress like this? Are fashion is changing, everybody is wearing shorter, tighter. Why do you dress like this? You have to reason. The reason is, you know what? In me is a person. He likes me dressed this way. I'm not even dressing for myself. You can put it across in very nice way. I'm dressing for my future husband. Ah, you already have paid up? Yeah, you didn't know. When did it? When the day I got saved, I got paid up. What does that mean? Every opportunity is to give the gospel. Do you know that? Every opportunity. God is a divine matchmaker. The day you got saved, he matched you with his son. Now you need to realize, you know what? I have an eternal spouse. Everything I do is to please him. That is my living hope. So what you eat, what you wear, what you talk, what you watch, what you read, everything becomes that. So if you read, carry books. And they look at the title and say, Are you very religious here? Why do you? I'm not religious. I'm not religious at all. I'm in a relationship. <laughs> Use their terms. I'm in a relationship. Relationship. Yeah. With whom? With Christ. I read what he likes. I watch what he likes. That is setting Christ apart in your heart. Daniel purposed in his heart. He will not defile himself. For whom? For Christ. Not for his sake. For Christ's sake. So you should be always prepared to give a reason. For what? To everyone and anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But how do you do it? And respect. And KJ will say, with meekness and fear. With meekness. Why meekness? Why should I testify with meekness? You know why? Because I was saved by grace. God found nothing in me. Nothing in me. He found nothing good in me. I am sure many of you still think there is something good in you. That's why God saved you. There is good in us, but that's not the reason why God saved us. That good comes from that tree. Hmm? That's why I said, with meekness. With meekness. With meekness. And fear. Why fear? Why fear? You know what? Because you need to realize why is it so important with fear? One, because whom you are revealing. Second, these are precious moments. The soul to whom you are witnessing is precious in God's sight. 
And this may be the only moment you get to witness Christ. The awesomeness of that moment. So you have to witness with fear. Lord, let me not. My own mistakes goof up this opportunity that they are offended by my witness and not drawn by Christ. That's why we have to deal with anger. You should never come across as an angry person. That should not be your testimony. Because we are a witness. Jesus was angry, but he was never an angry person. The distinction is there. Paul will say, be angry, but do not sin. Your primary testimony should not be that. Everything she says, he says is absolutely right. But you know what? Stay far from him. He comes across as a very angry person. Comes across as a very obnoxious person. So he says, be careful. Be very, very careful. Because you need to know who you are representing. Second, this is for many people to whom we witness. It is not just the person. It is also that movement. That movement may not come ever again. They may not be interested. You may be in a classroom with a friend for three years of your undergraduation. They may not be interested. But at one moment, that divine moment has come. They see something in you that is not of this world. And God touches them to see. Like Paul and Silas went to pray and God opened Lydia's heart. It's a divine moment. Meaning till that moment her heart was closed. At that moment, if Paul wastes that moment, Lydia's heart will close again. So it's a divine moment. Therefore, with fear, knowing the value of a soul, Lord, let I not be an hindrance for you being revealed. Being revealed. Second Corinthians. If I'm right, two one or three one. No, let me give it to you. No, First Corinthians two one, one onwards. I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring you the testimony of God. That's how we began. Now he says, I have changed. For I determined to not know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, in much trembling. And in my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and of power. You see, he's standing before Gentiles in Corinth. Nobody knows Christ. Nobody knows Christ. He said, Lord, help me not to goof up. This may be my only chance in Corinth. Let me present Christ. Not Paul. Present Christ. With meekness and with fear. With meekness and with fear. Don't get into arguments. You will never, you may win an argument and lose a soul. 
I would rather lose an argument and win a soul. We are not, we are, this is not apologetics. Even apologetics, do it with meekness and with fear. You know what? I'm just showing you Christ. I'm not showing you I am better than them. Honestly, most Hindus, most Muslims are better than us. <laughs> they have ethics, they have discipline, they have hard work, but we have Christ. So we don't show our goodness, we show Christ. We show Christ. Be careful about this, we show Christ. So God is telling them, Joshua, arise. You're going to cross over the river. But to cross over to that other side, it's a different life altogether. This daily mannano, you're getting up in the morning, that will cease. That life will be over. You have to deal with your fears. You have to be bold. You have to be courageous. And you have to prepare. All of humanity have given three days to prepare. You'll realize they have been given three days to prepare. Why? Hebrews 9, 27, 28. He has appointed, as it is appointed for men to die once, after this, the judgment. So Christ was offered, now read carefully, okay? Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time. Apart from sin. He'll come apart from sin. First time he came for apart sin. Second time he comes with apart from sin. So between his first coming and his second coming, what should we do? Deal with sin. Deal with sin deal with sin. Because when he's coming a second time, he's coming for people who have dealt with sin. And how do you deal with sin? Last verse for today. Romans 14, 23. He who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. What Whatever is from faith is righteousness. Whatever from faith. So the simple thing God says, you know what? How do you reveal Christ? Live by faith. Every day walk by faith. And when you walk by faith, you are living a life apart from sin. Unknowingly, unknowingly, consciously, unconsciously, you are preparing for His coming. And you acknowledge, He came for me, because of my sin, he is coming for me without sin. How do you prove it? By walking by faith. Walking by faith. That's why we preach the word of God. Because faith comes from? And if faith does not come from hearing, what comes in? Knowledge comes in. And knowledge comes in, puffing up comes in. You know that fish called puffing up, puffer fish or something? It's called again. Then his enemy comes and just puffs up like this thing, you know? That's the danger. That is the danger of hearing the word of God. 
You know, the problem is, that's what happened to the Jews. They meditate upon the word day and night, day and night, day and night, day and night, head full of knowledge. They got so puffed up and they said, Gentiles are dogs. See, how do you know, how do you know you have fever? How do you know you have fever? Symptoms. How do you, your knowledge has puffed you? The way you look at others. The way you treat others, the way you look at others is how you know. How you know. That's why God said, be very careful when you are giving them a reason with meekness and fear because you need to realize they may be better than actually you, but God shows mercy to whom he wants to show mercy. It's the election of grace. Be very careful. Be very careful. This is the difference between faith and knowledge. There is knowledge in faith. But it does not mean there is faith in knowledge. There is faith in knowledge. And the difference is that faith is a lifestyle. Faith is a lifestyle. Faith has power. With all the knowledge, you may not take a stand. But with very little faith, very little knowledge, but with faith, you take a stand. It is bold. Because faith gives you the righteousness of God. Not your own righteousness. The righteousness of God. The Bible says the righteous are bold as lions. Bold as lions. That's how a 17 or 18 year old young, young Jewish prisoner is able to take a stand. Three young Jewish slave serving will not bend their knee or a young shepherd boy is able to look and says who is this uncircumcised where does his boldness come from it comes from faith that's why God says test yourself examine yourself let your faith be tested because to find your faith genuine these characteristics are there it has handled fear it gives cheerfully. It is not worried about any of these things. It is very bold. It is very courageous because these are the characteristics of genuine faith. The other is just knowledge. Other is all knowledge. And knowledge is not going to take you anywhere. It's faith that takes you. Faith that takes you. So this, this Sunday evening for the rest of the half the world and this Monday morning, Get this message very, very clearly. You know what? God is pleased only by one thing. Is there faith in it? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now we will pray. Before that we will have Peter. Then we will pray. And we shall not fear. when no one pursues but the righteous are both. That's why in the list, remember, go back in these things, the list of the people who are outside the kingdom, who don't inherit actually. The first is the fearful. First is the fearful.